0: trust your eyes. Go to a big speaker meeting with a lot of sober alcoholics on a Friday or a Saturday night. This was party central. And they're all here drinking coffee and having a cookie, laughing and talking. I trust that. I trust what I see in Alcoholics Anonymous. I trust the changes in people's lives that I see every day. That I trust. And I know it's working. And for that, I'm eternally grateful.
1: Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast, Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Howdy, howdy. From Studio AA Deep in the heart of Texas, that there was the voice of Karen R., that you heard at the beginning of this here episode, and you're going to hear so much more from her in just a moment on this here episode number 266 of Sober Speak. But first things first, this here episode goes out to Joshua and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura, and what You may ask, did Joshua and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura do? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Joshua and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura. This episode is coming right out to Ewan's I. John M., just another bozo on the bus, will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. And I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat around this virtual table, if you will, and let's get started. Remember, No matter who you are or what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table for all, and we are glad you have joined us today. All right, everybody. So this is, let me think about when this will be released. This is going to be released on November 18th, I believe, 2022. And guess what? We are going to have a big shindig on December 2nd. And when I say a big shindig, I mean really big because we're going to have Gary Kay in uh, for a Sober Speak live event. And this event will begin at 6.30 p.m. Central Time in the United States, Uh, and it's going to be at the Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas. That's 3521 Main Street. So you don't have to remember all that. Just go to our website, www.soberspeak.com. And click on the tab across the top that says Sober Speak Live, and you will get all the information that you desire on that. Tab. I just like saying tab for some reason. It just, I don't know. You know, sometimes words get stuck. Like I remember when I was a kid, the word wagon got stuck in my head and I couldn't let the word wagon go. And I kept saying it over and over and over. And I kept thinking, am I saying this right? Is this the right word? Wagon, wagon, wagon. And for whatever reason, tab has that same Sort of effect on me. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, you can go there to our website and you can see the uh, information, the deets, as the kids say nowadays. What else do I need to tell you about that? I think that's it. Um, Oh, we are all going to, we are also going to broadcast it is that the word you would put it yeah no 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 stream it we are going to stream it live via zoom and we will have the zoom information available uh, on facebook on instagram and on the website so you can get the details there and you can log in and and watch us if you like uh, at least me and Gary Kay. I probably won't show the rest of the uh, audience just uh, out of uh, respect for anonymity and all that sort of stuff. But um, you, anyway, you could come in and watch us. Uh, what? Else? Oh, if you are coming to this here event and you need child care, will you please email me? John, J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com and let me know uh, so we can have uh, something prepared for you all right so here's something else i've been thinking about later lately if you have somebody anyone within your walk through recovery that has been instrumental uh they have been uh, uh some people call it a a uh, uh, an eskimo in your life right the people who brought you in out of the cold i think is the uh, megan was on this uh Megan H. was on this podcast and she was talking to me about it. I think they use the term a lot in California. But nonetheless, if you have somebody that is very special to you in sobriety and you want to send me a note about them and let me know about it uh, and have that read on listener feedback, I would love to hear from you. I'm at John J O H N at SoberSpeak.com and keep it don't write a novel, right? Keep in mind, (laughs) we uh, just keep it, uh, I don't even know, I don't know a word count or anything like that, but just kind of keep it pithy as they would say. All right, now on to a little bit of, not a little bit, oh, I'm I'm wrong there. Now on to our featured guest of the week. And this week, We have a special guest. Well, they're all special, right? But anyway, Karen R. is on the podcast this week, and her episode is called Crossing the River of Denial. And some of you may be familiar with that particular term, Crossing the River of Denial. And one of the reasons you may be familiar with it is that it is a story in the back of the big book that was published in the fourth edition of the big big book, and so and we talk about this, and it's by Karen R. Uh, and we talk about it a little bit on the the front of this episode here, but uh, it's, that's kind of cool, right, to have your story in the back of the big book. It will live on forever and ever. But nonetheless, Karen lives in Tampa, Florida, and has been sober since february of 1992 she was arrested five times before arriving in alcoholics anonymous and she also talks about she also while she's being arrested she had a very successful business career and we talk about that um one of my favorite quotes from the episode is when karen says god never puts two people together to help only one isn't that cool? God never puts two people together to help only one. And she also says, uh, as you heard at the beginning of this, uh, uh, at, on the audio clip that I played at the beginning of this episode, she says, Trust your eyes and what you see in Alcoholics Anonymous. I know that you are going to enjoy Karen R. so much, and we will have plenty. Oh, Listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here with a very special guest, Miss Karen R. So Karen R, I am going to. What a what a beautiful smile you have, by the way. I it's very it's it's infectious. I uh, I bet that's not the first time you've ever heard that, but it definitely is. Uh, So uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and then tell people where you are uh, located, please.
0: Great. Hi, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Karen. And my sobriety date is February 7th, 1992. And I'm currently in Tampa, Florida, recently uh, surviving uh, Hurricane Ian and glad to be here. Thank you, John.
1: Yeah, I know some people in Tampa, and I, I know it didn't hit as uh, hard down there as it did in some other areas, but I'm we, glad we, you're okay. We pray for
0: everyone, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah man, thank you. what a
1: horrible thing. Okay, so Karen, I just want to talk a little bit about how I came across you. Paula is one of your friends, I believe, Paula P., right? Oh, you, and she's putting her little hug arms yeah, on right
0: now. Oh uh, my One of my besties. I love
1: her. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, recording her. She's from Champaign, Illinois. And I think y'all have like some little group or something that kind of gets together in Florida. Am I right about that or no?
0: Actually, we we get together every chance we get. There's about four of us and we'll either meet in Champaign or Chicago or my house or Jacksonville or wherever we can because we just laugh until, oh. It's you know we're like little girls again. It's that kind of best friendship, and I I didn't realize how much I craved it until I found these women.
1: (laughs) Magic. Oh, that's not. And what is the com? How did y'all all all meet each other?
0: Yeah, from speaking and uh, a meeting that another friend, Holly, Holly D, and Paula P, are sponsored by Paul Polly P. Try introducing them, you know, in a row. It's impossible. (laughs) But um, actually, we have an annual event in in Tampa called the Tampa Bay Fall Roundup. And one year, first time I'd ever hosted anybody, about three years ago, four years ago now, um, I hosted Paula. And then the very next year, I hosted Holly. And they're both (laughs) sponsored by... Polly, Polly. So we met that. Yeah, Polly P and Paula P and Holly D. Oh my goodness gracious! And 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 the love affair started and it's never ended. So
1: very. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I can't remember when exactly, but I have Holly actually scheduled. I think sometime over the next few weeks, something like oh, that. yeah, for she's
0: her. she's another one. I mean. I've heard both their stories so many times, and I still laugh and cry at the exact same spots. And it's Uh, like, uh, I never tire of the love that these women have for Alcoholics Anonymous. It's it's amazing.
1: Another thing that uh, I wanted to mention about you that's a, a little bit unusual I've actually never recorded somebody that actually has a story in the back of the book. So you, when I say it back in the book, the fourth edition of Alcoholics Anonymous,
0: right? That's cool. uh, and what is the name of that story? It's called Crossing the River of Denial. So I, I know a little bit about denial. That's
1: Yeah, funny. that is. And I guess you are proof that it's not impossible. You could actually get in the book with your story. Absolutely, absolutely. When you, when you wrote in, did you think you had – I mean, what was your thought? Did you think it was you had a decent chance?
0: <laughs> I didn't even want to do it. So my good, fr- my good friend Linda still takes full credit for my story being in the fourth edition of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, we were in San Francisco, and this would have had to be uh, 1998. And GSRs were going around to meetings, and they were walking around with a form saying, you know, they're coming out with a fourth edition. If you want to submit your story, here's the form. My friend Linda got our little group together, and she's the one who's going, come on, you guys. Come on, come on. Let's do this. Let's do it. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I'm the one going, no, no what are the odds? See, my dad was not only an alcoholic, but a gambler. I have been calculating odds since I'm eight years old. And I didn't think these were good odds. Tens of thousands of stories. What are the odds of us being picked? And she wore us all down. We all submit our story. That just goes to show you don't have to do this with a lot of passion. (laughs) You just have to do it because I didn't want to do it. And so two years passed. So don't be impatient. You know, two years passed. We do nothing quickly and Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And then, um, uh, I got a call from central office in San Francisco and they told me that, uh, general service in New York wanted me to call them. And I thought, Oh gosh, I'm not doing enough. I'm in trouble. I <laughs> <And laughs> Called the principal's office. Was, uh, <laughs> so I called New York and, and they read parts of the story to make sure it was mine. And, um, I was at my office and uh, they told me it had been selected for the fourth edition. And I got up and closed my office door and burst into tears. <laughs> my first question uh. was, how many were submitted? And they said, 2,500. I thought tens of thousands. Now, I think nowadays, because of social media, it will be a, a, larger, a, a larger number. And um, so I said, well, you know, how many did you pick? And they said, 25. So what, what how'd you pick them? What were you what were you looking for? And so they were looking for three things. One, you couldn't quit drinking. Two, something happened. And three, your life changed. John, that's all our story. You know, that's that's each and every one of us. I didn't do anything you didn't do. I just wrote it down. So write it down.
1: And at that time did you have to like so was it on a physical piece of paper and you actually had to send it in?
0: Absolutely. Yeah write it, you typed it, printed it, set it in. Yep. Cause this was 1998. So.
1: Right. <laughs> they could do it electronically nowadays, I'm yeah, sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, All right. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, let's talk about, you know, where it started. Uh, you know, I mean, did you grow up there in Florida?
0: No, gosh, no. This is actually the third time I've lived in Tampa. I've got an ex-husband here. Yes. Got to leave him somewhere. Tampa's as good a place as <laughs> in. Um, so something keeps bringing me back to Tampa. But no, I was born in Detroit. Because uh, when, when people ask me where I'm from, I have to say, well, from when to when? You know, it was three grade schools, two high right. schools. Remember, My dad was an alcoholic and a gambler. You move a lot, a lot. Mm. So then people say, well, where were you born? Detroit. But I was only there three months. I don't remember much about it. And then yeah. the, the, we just moved and moved and moved. And uh, I always wondered, people would say, Well, you know, were, were you a military brat? And I'd go, No, just a brat. <laughs> and, and I said, I think we were running from the law, but usually we were running from the mob or some <laughs> other nefarious group of
1: people. So, okay, so you mentioned your dad, obviously alcoholic. He was a gambler. Was your mom in the picture as well? Did you have brothers and sisters?
0: And no, I'm an only child. And, um, you know, I had a great childhood uh, until age four, and <laughs> that's where my <her laughs> mom decided to leave for a married man, and you know, she liked married men. My dad was married when they first got together, and um, and so she left when I was four, and my dad got custody, and um, which was very unusual in 1952 for a male parent to get custody of mm-hmm. a, a little girl that's four, and uh, so... Uh, my grandmother raised me for a couple of years. My dad knew that she was really too old to to take over. And he asked my mom to come back. And, and she did. And she stayed until I was 16 when, when she left again for a married man. And I found out then that they had been divorced since I was four. So, you know, all that pressure of, you know, you're the only thing holding the family together is, uh, was real. But the amazing part, and this I learned only in Alcoholics Anonymous, John, the gifts, the gifts of this program that you never expect. Oh, I get chills. So... My mantra throughout throughout, like nine years into sobriety was, oh, they, I was just one little girl. They couldn't even take care of one little girl. The victim, still playing the victim, like Sarah Bernhardt going for the Oscar. You know, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> and somebody told, a woman in a meeting said, you know, as long as I define myself by my wounds, I can never let them heal. And as long as I continued to be that one little girl they couldn't even take care of, I could never let that wound heal because then who would I be? And I was starting to get to know me, and I was starting to really like the woman that I was becoming. And I could finally let that wound heal. What a gift. That could have been hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of therapy. And instead (laughs) it was just, you know, a couple bucks in the basket and uh, life-changing, which is what happens. That's the transformation that happens in Alcoholics Anonymous. What a gift.
1: I love that. As long as I believe. As
0: long as I define. Uh, define, As long
1: as I define.
0: Define myself, myself
1: by, by my, my wounds, wounds. I can never let them heal. I can never heal. Yeah.
0: Whew. Oh.
1: I got to. There's going to be some people listening today, wherever they are, that need to hear that. And. Yeah, I, I I have a similar story. And I'm not going to go into that, but you know, I was raised by a oh, I'd love mom. To
0: hear
1: it. Uh, she was mentally ill. I was an only child, and uh, I kept thinking all the time, you know, if uh, you know, who brought me into this world? You know, why did they do it? Can't they raise me? You know, this I I started out behind the uh, behind uh, right from the get go. Yeah. But we can overcome it, right? Yeah. And we can't define ourselves yeah. by those wounds, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay, so all right, so that's kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit of a snapshot of your childhood. Uh, I'm assuming at some point there alcohol, drugs started or alcohol and/or drugs mm-hmm. started to enter the picture. Talk about that.
0: Well, you know, we are talking the '60s and '70s, so (laughs) what else was there but drug, sex, and and, uh, rock and roll, and alcohol, which was truly my best friend. And uh, but luckily, you know, through through high school, I had a boyfriend who was not a drinker, and that saved me from becoming a teenage alcoholic. I know that. Um, But then in college, you know, I broke up with him, and then just everything took off, and and um, yeah, but. We're such great chameleons, you know, I mean, we have the daytime Karen and the weekend and the nighttime Karen and, and they were never the same people and were overachievers and and career wise, you know, I was very successful and, um, and I didn't know what an alcoholic was, you know, I truly believe that alcoholics were like my dad, you know, and toward the end of his drinking, he would sit at the kitchen table on a Sunday morning drinking water glasses of warm gin. And I used mm. ice cubes, John. I used ice cubes. <laughs> I wasn't an alcoholic. And, I, you know, I mean, and I look back now, it's like, I didn't see a problem with any of it. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was not an alcoholic. I was a hard partier. And I was so sorry. You people didn't know the difference. And ice cubes kept me out there for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the denial, the level yeah. of denial that we can go through and. and and the rationalize, I would say rationalize. Yeah, just it's just two words: rational lies. And I could put those puppies together mm. and go with it. Just go with it. I could rationalize anything, you know, in, including murder, given enough time to think about it. So, because it was never my fault, I just make up facts. Right. Absolutely, make it. So I was actually arrested five times. Five times. And did not and I just had bad luck with cops I truly believe is it's the blondes who catch the brakes never the brunettes I believe that to my DNA <laughs> right and and it was never me and and I know today John that the absolute most successful active alcoholics are really good victims because if you're doing it to me well it's not my fault wow wow wow. they did it to me and i gave give. <laughs> And I truly believe that as long as it wasn't my fault, then I wasn't the problem.
1: So did you ever have some sort of inkling? It's like, so when I, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I mean, me and my friends used to kind of, we would joke around about it, about being alcoholic, right? Um, And so I had, I did have an inkling that I had a a problem, an issue. Now I couldn't tell you I was powerless over alcohol. To me, that was a, a little, yeah, that was a step too far, right? That was a little extreme. Howard, did you have some sort of inkling that you were, you know, there was something wrong with this life you were living?
0: Honestly, no, I didn't. You know, I, I spent my wedding night in jail, but that, it, you know, <laughs> but that was all his fault. If he had just kept his mouth shut, you know, I'm, I'm hiding vodka bottles in shoeboxes in the bedroom because he was drinking too much of my alcohol. So the solution was, well, he's the problem. I'll just hide the vodka. and I, 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 you know, It tells me right now on page 44, that first paragraph of we agnostics, exactly what an alcoholic is, I didn't know. You know. It says, if when I honestly want to quit and find I cannot quit entirely, or if when I start, I cannot control the amount I take, I love how gentle Bill is, then yeah. you're probably an alcoholic. So after the divorce, I'm out in Southern California, another promotion, a big house to show mom I was fine. And uh, I didn't have to hide the vodka in, in the shoot boxes anymore. So I...
1: So I were there did. any kids at this no, point? Or is no, it just I, you and your husband getting a divorce? Yeah, okay. Yeah,
0: yes. No, never kids. I was way too selfish, way too self-absorbed.
1: How many years were you married?
0: Uh, six years, seven months, and 28 days. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> It was a happy
1: marriage all right so you get the divorce you move to southern california and and you're it sounds like you're successful in
0: business yeah, this whole always, time always huh? up until i wasn't but since mm-hmm. my drinking really took off out there because i didn't have to set a good example for that alcoholic husband anymore um i decided nobody told me i had to i decided I was going to go a week without drinking just to prove to myself that, oh, I didn't have a problem. I'm still using ice cubes. And I got to day six, John, day six, and it was like close enough. See, I didn't realize that once I yeah. honestly wanted to quit and could not quit entirely, that I'm probably an alcoholic. And then all those times I stopped after work for just one, just going to have one, and ended up closing the place, I just thought I'd changed my mind. Just decided to stay for last call. I didn't know that once I start, I cannot control the amount I take. So, I mean, if I'd known either one of those facts, it wouldn't have changed a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But once I saw it, it's like, oh, wow, there it is. Mm, no denying it now. So, But even after my fifth arrest and I was sentenced to AA in, uh, in Southern California, I was not an alcoholic. I was a hard partier. And thank God, if you're an alcoholic of my type and you sit in these meetings long enough, you will catch the disease through your ears. And that's what happened for me. Thank God. I caught alcoholism from you. Thank you. Yay!
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs>
1: so you got sends the AA through a judge. How many meetings did they make you yeah. go to well, at the time? The, yeah, you it was only
0: one a week. Get your card signed. Mm-hmm. Then you had to go through yeah. some counseling stuff and you know, some other stuff, but uh, and, yeah, and,
1: and this is more of an outside issue. But as to me, is very interesting. I've heard you talk about it. How nowadays, explain? It went to the Supreme Court about yes. people in both
0: New York and California. Went to the Supreme Court, and they said, they, and the Supreme Court ruled with the the um, defendant that. A.A. is a religion because we talk about God. And since you cannot mix church and state, you cannot be sentenced by the courts to go to A.A. anymore.
1: Well, that's very interesting. I still see now I live in Texas. I don't know if it's different, but I still see people coming in and getting their their cards signed different. all the time. It's, that's
0: not a state mandate. They're they're in rehab. They're in programs. Ah. And there are attorneys who will suggest they go to meetings and sign this paper because it'll look good for the judge. But the state cannot gotcha. sentence you to AA. I understand. Okay,
1: okay, I got you. Yeah. But Thank in you your case, it turned out pretty good that they, quote, sentence you to AA, huh?
0: I never could have gotten here otherwise. My denial was so deep and so strong. And my facts, my self-renowned facts were uh, were just were, were too tough to overcome. You know, and, and I, I was almost too smart, almost too smart to get this thing. So,
1: do you remember that first meeting? What it was oh, like?
0: My, yeah, please. So it it was a woman's meeting. I was all dressed up in my little work suit and went in there because I didn't want them to think I was an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> plus, I was hiding. I mean, there were I had friends whose children had gotten <laughs> oh, sorry, DUIs, and um, I needed to uh, to hide. So I went to this woman's meeting, and um, I'll never forget it. I, I did share, and I did cry. I never was an alcoholic, but I said I did have, you know, I needed to get my drinking back in control. And I remember after, after the meeting, a gal said, you know, the great obsession of every abnormal drinker is to control and enjoy his drinking. And I said, my God, she's brilliant. <laughs> I didn't know that I was right <laughs> out of Chapter 3. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah and and then i had to go to those you know those stupid meetings which i always loved the meetings i just hated all of you. you you were so happy and huggy and oh cheerful and grateful to be an alcoholic like it's like whoa, oh, what oh. and you say stupid things john like it's the first drink that gets you drunk right and i knew it was four or five before i caught a buzz right. and I'm thinking you wusses <laughs> i bet you never drank warm gin you say you're an alcoholic oh for god's sake do you so
1: i'm curious about also your professional career what i mean by that was was it a was the drinking affecting your professional career because i would imagine especially back then being a woman trying to work her way up through the ranks and having an alcoholic issue at the same time is like a double whammy if you will yeah
0: Abs- without a doubt, I mean. So I, I was a, a partner with an international management consulting firm, and we work with large companies on their human resource strategies. And um, there were six hundred and sixty partners worldwide, and eighty were women. So you work really hard to get there, and then you get there, and it's like, wow, is that all there is? You know, which is because mm-hmm. it's it's the journey; it's never the destination. We know that now, mm-hmm. um, and it, until the very end, because entertaining clients you know I mean right. socializing uh, three martini lunches I mean it was it was the norm back then not not the right. uh, and, and my tolerance was so high that it, it actually I mean I could drink a lot of people under the table and thought that was a good thing right. so yeah but the career was great and it wasn't until after I got sober that the uh, the alcoholic past caught up with me.
1: Okay. So take me past that. Though. So you have the, the, the first meeting you're going to and then kind of move past that uh, in terms of uh, okay. I'm curious how the the past caught up with you when you got sober.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I sat in the meetings about five months still doing everything an untreated alcoholic does you know, drinking, driving, drinking, driving on a suspended license. And then, um, like I say, finally I caught the disease through my ears and, um, I'm always surprised that people can get sober before the holidays because I couldn't get sober until after Super Bowl, one more party, then I'll try this thing. and uh, so I went to the party promising, yeah, promising not to get drunk, but again, you know, once I start uh, off to the races and uh, never made it home and went to work Monday sick as a dog, and they announced that on Tuesday we're going to have a team building event. Oh joy! Team building. Ah, Don't they know I'm sick? (laughs) Jeez. So we're all. I'm in Orange County, and we're all going to go up to the Coliseum on Tuesday for a Kings hockey game. And um, we get up there, and I'd had two beers, but these were hockey cup beers. They were huge cups Mm. of beer. I got no relief at all. It was like drinking water. And uh, I'll never forget. My head said, "Then why bother?" Dad, I still get a chill. It it was as clear as a bell, then why bother? And in Southern California, there are hour and a half meetings and we read everything and we would read chapter three. And it did talk about the great obsession of every abnormal drinker is to control and enjoy his drinking. And I knew exactly what that meant. Because on Super Bowl Sunday, when I enjoyed it, I couldn't control it. The hockey game, when I controlled it, I couldn't enjoy it. And I knew then that I was an alcoholic just like my dad. Mm -hmm. so i went to a meeting of alcoholics anonymous the very next night and um took step one went home from the meeting didn't have to open that cupboard with a half a gallon jug of vodka up there that was god doing it not me because i tried to not open that cupboard and i couldn't not open that cupboard so step two and then step three was not quite how i planned it so this was in you know late january early february and um in my, in my career, our busy time is the fourth quarter. And then you send out your big bills, right? It's billable time, it's like an attorney in that way. And you send out the big bills in the in the first quarter. And um, I was doing my worst work with my biggest bills. So here I am sober, and clients start firing me. I mean, they're looking at the bills, and they're looking at the quality of the work. And it's like, whoa, this, this is not compute here and and first yeah, i was fired by the state of nevada then i was fired by pioneer electronics then i was fired by a, a japanese company called sec america oh within a week in a week and the other partners the first one's going oh yeah well they're they're a tough yeah we get it. then the second one's like whoa what's going on third one is like we she because i'm a liability to my partners i can't collect the big bills and uh and um, they gave me 90 days to turn it. Actually, I think it was 60 days to turn it around, which is impossible. That, that's uh, it, it's tantamount to being fired. And um, Right. And now I'm I'm about five months sober, and I'm losing everything. Lost my career. Lost that big house. Had my heart broken. Had a cancer scare. I was robbed. But losing the career, I knew nobody did it to me, John, for the first time in my life. I wasn't the Mm -hmm. victim. I did it to me. Nobody else. What a a gift that was. Lost the house. Orange County went bankrupt. Everybody was losing their houses. (laughs) They were throwing their keys Mm -hmm. in the mailbox and just walking away because the houses were so underwater. Had my heart broken. I got into a relationship early. (laughs) But there, there was, a, you know, a real gift in that, too, because I did have to change my sobriety date. I didn't know pot counted. I swear to God. And I smoked <laughs> a little bit afterwards, you know, and I just did, and I threw it away because it makes sense. But when I realized yeah, it counted, um, I had I had changed my date. And then I was whining about that. And, and my boyfriend at the time said, you know, Karen, you have the rest of your life to take chips, but you only have today to be honest Mm -hmm. And that was one of those moments in life that just gave me the basis for the future. So, yeah, he did break up with me. On the day I lost my career, could have planned that a little better. But, you know, it it was worth the gift that that he had given me. And then the cancer scare was just a scare. The robbery was just stuff. But this was all in like the first six to eight months of sobriety. I lost everything. (laughs) So I had to live in step three. I had to turn my will and my life over to the care of a a power that kept me from opening the cupboard. I had to trust that. And why wouldn't I? Oh, my God. Why wouldn't I? And I knew that a drink or a drug was not going to fix or change or make any of that better. Wasn't going to bring the career back, the house back, the boyfriend back. Nothing. And what a gift that was. Knowing that a drink or a drug wasn't going to fix it anymore. And, you know, f- from that day to this, I haven't had to open a cupboard or a medicine cabinet or anything else, not mine. Or- that's a wow for, for a woman, an alcoholic of my type. And that's just, that's a wow. I'm so grateful. So grateful. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah.
1: When did you start speaking like uh, on the circuit? If you because you you've done some circuit speaking, am I right, or no, have you not, not?
0: Not really. I mean, I, I I spoke in Thailand. They they have a, a roundup, the twenty fourth annual AA roundup in Pattaya, Thailand, just before the pandemic, just before we got shut down. Uh, but that that I don't really do circuit. You know, I.
1: Well, they should have you out there.
0: Oh, you're very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great <laughs> Thank job. <you> really <laughs> I just love Alcoholics Anonymous. I just absolutely love Alcoholics Anonymous.
1: I know you do. And I can see it in your face and see it in your spirit. Um, That is so good. Okay. So take me toward, what do you want to highlight over those 30 years of being sober? Right. And that's what the problem we always run into with guests is like, how do you kind of, you know, just do it. in you know, a few minutes with your 30 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the, the one major thing is I still can't trust my head. You know, I, I've got a brain that's not wired right, and it will always want to kill me. So I will never trust my first thought. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, just before my 30th anniversary, it was telling me things like, ah, no, Karen, at 30, I think you're well. There's no well in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a daily <laughs> reprieve. And, you know, a reprieve is something that somebody on death row gets. They get a reprieve. That's what I get. So, But still, my head will, will never tell me the truth. I know that. It'll always say, oh, you weren't that bad. You weren't that bad. Yes, I was. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> not, not to trust my head. I don't care how much time is not uh, a substitute for sanity. It just, it never will be. Not not for, for this head. Um, you know, and that, John, some days just being sober has to be enough. And it always is. You know, good days and bad days. Just being sober is a good deal. And I will never, ever trade a moment's relief for a lifetime of recovery. Not today. Absolutely not today. Um, Talk to me. Yeah. a
1: little bit about your, uh, so last night we were having some conversations trying to get some of this technical stuff, uh, you know, settled away and, and you got a call from your sponsor and I could tell from, you know, your voice and the way you talked about your sponsor, how much you love her and what, talk to me a little, yeah, you're uh, like taking a deep yeah, breath as oh, you're saying that right now. What's true. her name? How long yeah. have you known her? Yeah, yeah. What has she meant to you?
0: Um, she's actually a a recent gift in my life. Her name is Rena K. And she actually sponsors Polly P and a lot of other women that, you know, I I just get to stand on the shoulders of giants, literally. And um, I've only been working with Rena, actually less than a year now. And uh, I'd had a sponsor here in Tampa um, for 13 years, which is as long as I've lived here. I've always had a sponsor. Once I got a sponsor in early sobriety, but I've, I've, I've never been without a sponsor. Um, because again, my head lies to me. Um, and you know, I knew that things weren't, that I, I wasn't getting what I craved from, from the old sponsor. And, um, and I knew I had to, had to, to look for something else. It, it had just gotten to be such a divide in our values around Alcoholics Anonymous
1: so that's a real good point. Yeah. There's a lot of people who get sobriety, whether you know, they're five years sober or one year sober or 10 or 20 or 30, whatever the case may be. They kind of get to that point and they say to themselves, you know, maybe I need to move in, a, in another direction and coming to that decision, which is a hard one, I'm sure. Did you, was it just through prayer, gut instinct? Can you talk about well, that? It,
0: certainly the feeling that, that I wasn't, I wasn't growing. So I'm actually, I read the big book with, with this newcomer up in Connecticut and we were reading Jim's story. You know, Jim's the guy who owned the car dealership and now he's mm-hmm. working for the guy who owns the car dealership. A little resentment there probably. And he, he was charismatic, had a great family. He was loved by everyone. But he just had this wee drinking problem. And then, you know, the, the alcoholics talked to him and, and he kind of got it. And he would, it said he would be fine for a while, but he failed to expand his spiritual life. And that was like a bucket of cold water in my head. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm Jim. I'm working steps with everybody else. But when was the last time I worked steps? I'm not expanding my spiritual life and I don't want to end up like Jim doing great for 30 years and then not doing great. So, you know, I I started, I talked to Paula, I talked to some other people and, you know, I I need to look. And there's some friends on the West coast that I adore, but the time difference is a problem. And Rena's here in Florida and uh, it's about an hour and a half away from me. Um, and, And we had lunch and I asked her, And all of a sudden, I couldn't wait to talk to my sponsor. I was looking forward to every encounter I had. I she she not only gives retreats, but she goes to conferences and seminars. And I'm following her, going to I mean, I'm I'm so engaged in a new and new level with Alcoholics Anonymous again. And now I am getting what I craved and I didn't even know I needed it. So, you've got to be honest, you know, you never just change. So, I made an appointment to go to my old sponsor and um, I actually made her an Afghan. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I go over there and I give her my Afghan. And I said, you know, it's, it's I, there's a, a thank. We always thank them because this was 13 years of, of you know, time and, and love. And, and so, after I thanked her and I said, you know, I, I just, Need to go in a little different. Her first words were, I was expecting this. Sponsors always know. And, uh, and so it was a clean break, it was a loving break. Yeah. And um, she got a nice, nice Afghan out of the deal. So that was great. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but I, I do love my new sponsor. So, how
1: did you find Rena?
0: You know, um, she does a step series called The Lion's Step Study. And I had done that last January and, you know, I just, I loved her message. I loved everything about her. Um, and finally, after talking to a few other people, uh, I asked her if she'd have lunch and I drove down there and um, we just clicked and I fell in love, absolutely fell in love. And, uh, and we speak every week. We have a set time and I believe in that. I need discipline. And she's busy, you know, so we have a set time. I call every Friday at 1130. And if it doesn't work out, we reschedule. But, you know, and I'm getting everything I need. She gives me direction and guidance and steps. And then we we did a a conference down in about an hour from here to play in a a woman's the lion step series for the first time in person that it's ever been done. And she was leading that. And uh, it was it was magical, just magical. So I'm very, very blessed. Cool. Yeah, very blessed. Yeah, yeah. I am.
1: So I want you to take me back. I've heard you tell a story before, and I don't know all the details, about an, a woman who heard you telling your story, and she knew it had something to do with the story in the back of the big book. Can you take me through uh, that?
0: Oh, I think you're talking about Kimberly. I think I, th- I was in San Francisco, and I was getting ready to move, Now all of a sudden, my firm wants me to actually open an office for them in Las Vegas. I go from being fired to to having the confidence and the trust of opening an office in Las Vegas, which is great, great AA. But it's not anywhere you want to live if you have any issues at all of any kind. So I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm leaving my nine thirty meeting on Saturday mornings. And this, this gal walks up; I didn't even know, and she asked me to have coffee. So I said sure. So this is actually her story. So here's Kimberly. She's 26. She's cute. She's an attorney, has a little drinking problem, you know, starting to cause some problems in her life. But you know, you're 26. You're cute. You're an attorney. You got plenty of time. Well, it was not getting worse. It was not getting better. So she decided to go to one of those those meetings. And the meeting Mm -hmm. is still there, 530 Friday nights in in the, the marina dock in San Francisco. Great little women's meeting. But like me, you know, hated the meeting. Like, you know, all these women were so huggy and happy, and she's got problems, and what's wrong with them? And rah, 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 hated the meeting. So she decided on the way home, you know, she'd just pick up one of those books, and she takes it home, and she opens it. And, of course, the beginning of Bill's story with the doggerel on the tombstone. It's like, oh, who yeah. wrote this crap? <laughs> <laughs> so she hated the book, closed the book, left it on her coffee table. A couple weeks, you know, still walking around it and walking around it. And she thought, you know, <sighs> Let me just open it. So she just picked up the book from her coffee table and opened it. It happened to open to a, a story called Crossing the River of Denial. And she said, I read that story and I knew to my toes that I was an alcoholic. I could relate to everything in that story. So she got a sponsor. She worked the steps. She came up on a year. And you know how a year. We get that delusion of wellness where we think we're doing it and I'm fine if I can go a year without it. So she made a decision. She was either going to go to the young person's speaker meeting on Union and Steiner or that if there was a parking spot. If not, she was going to go to the bar. And I got to tell you, in, in San Francisco, you do make life-altering choices based on parking spots. You have to. You have to because there are none. So she pulls up in front of the church. Right in front, there's a parking spot. So she goes into the church. She sits in the back with her arms crossed. And then to, all of a sudden, the woman that was speaking that night, she starts to hear the story that she had read a year before coming out of this woman's mouth. I was the speaker that night. What wow. are the odds? I mean, you can't make that up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, the little hair stand up. Yeah. And she knew that she was in the right place. She's in Atlanta now. Still successful and uh still sober.
1: How cool. And
0: I love that story. You know, yeah. Been,
1: How cool. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap us up here, like you you're there's a lot of people listening to you. Uh and if you were to kind of share some experience, strength, and hope, and I'm really kind of thinking about those out there right now who think. You know, uh, I'm one of those that's constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. Man, maybe it can work for Karen. Maybe it can work for John M., but it can't work for me. So if you could just kind of share a little experience, strength and hope about Alcoholics Anonymous, what it's done for you and maybe talk to those people.
0: Thank you. And to all of you who think that, to all of you who think Oh, I don't want to bother my sponsor. Oh, they're busy. Oh, I'm I'm not worthy. Remember, God never puts two people together to only help one of them. Mm -hmm. Make the call. Never forget that we have a disease that is stronger than a mother's love for her children. That will always take us out. And you can't do it for them. you got to do it for you, and they will benefit. But never forget the power of this disease. And I think the final, the final thing I would leave is, again, you still can't tell me anything, right? But trust your eyes. Go to a big speaker meeting with a lot of sober alcoholics on a Friday or a Saturday night. This was party central. And they're all here drinking coffee and having a cookie, laughing and talking. I trust that. I trust what I see in Alcoholics Anonymous. I trust the changes in people's lives that I see every day. That I trust. And I know it's working. And for that, I'm eternally grateful.
1: And we are eternally grateful that you have come on here, shared your story, Karen R. Uh, I absolutely love it. I'm so glad that uh, Paula P uh, introduced us yeah, to each other. God bless you, you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: And uh, if you're ever out here in the Dallas area, please do let me know. I especially, and yeah, yep, you're saying if you're over Tampa, same right. way. Absolutely. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> We're between hurricanes now. You can come. No. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Oh, thank you so much. All
1: right. Well, I always close it out with 164 from the big book. Oh, yes. Page 164. Yes. And if I can find it here real quick, uh, it says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us like me and Karen are as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Karen, I know we had a little bit of an issue kind of getting started on the technical piece of this, but uh, um, I'm so glad we uh, stuck with it. And uh, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, John. I really had fun.
1: One more time. Thank you so much, Karen R. For those of you listening out there who think a friend or a family member may be able to benefit from that particular episode, if you would, please pause your device and click that little share button and pass it on over to that friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Now, on to a little listener feedback so the pause of my voice there for whatever reason i'm I'm just uh, these little things come to my brain as i'm recording uh and i was thinking to myself self you know what would be cool if it is if i so i started to like sing a song (laughs) and like a listener feedback song and then i thought and this all happened like within a nanosecond by (laughs) the way but I didn't have a listener song, a listener feedback song in my head, so I want to. So, so then I started thinking, well, maybe we should get some listener feedback music. And then I thought, well, what would that music be? And it'd have to be real short and to the point and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, that was going on in my head. But now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback, Gilbert writes in. And he says, Hey, John, I just wanted to comment on a couple of episodes I listened to recently. Brian P. number 258 and Joe Muck uh, number 262. I love it when people give episode numbers. That is very cool. He said, I was very moved by Brian P.'s talk. It was gripping, deeply personal, and such an emotional ride that really tugged at the heartstrings. I was hanging on every word. A great episode. And Joe Muck's episode was a masterclass on AA. Like you say, John, chock full of nuts. I fully intend to listen to it again, this time with a notepad and a pen to jot down all those cool nuggets of information he rattled off. I also got a kick out of how much fun you had with my... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I forgot how much fun you had with my name during the listener feedback portion. (laughs) I'm in the middle of the current episode of Mark Houston and really enjoying his talk as well. I'm loving his podcast more and more as it becomes a staple. Uh, loving this podcast more and more as it becomes a staple in my Spotify rotation. As usual, keep up the good work, Gilbert, not Wilbur, R. For those of you, I think this was like uh, three or four weeks ago, something like this, but Gilbert had written in and, oh God, I went off on some tangent about Wilbur and Mr. Ed (laughs) My thought was I'd lost Gilbert forever once he listens to this. So, Gilbert, thank you so much for not uh, taking us out of your Spotify rotation or being <laughs> angry with me. Anyway, Gilbert, not Wilbur, Wilbur, thank you very much. Jennifer writes in, she says, Hi, John, I just finished listening to uh, this episode. Definitely. Oh, keeping... Ch- oh, okay, so she's talking about... Oh, the the title of the, uh, the, the subject line was one of Charlie P's episodes, and I forgot about... I, I didn't... Uh, I, I don't know which episode it was. But anyway, she said... I just finished listening to this episode, the one with Charlie P. Definitely keeping Charlie and Katie in my prayers. I really appreciated Charlie's share about making amends to Katie and how he and Katie keep their marriage healthy by the open communication and practicing the principles in his daily life. Jennifer says, Have you ever thought about having them on together to share their practicing and the principles in their relationship? I don't think you've done that. If so, I apologize. Please send me the episode number. I know now might be the best time, but perhaps in the future. I am five plus years sober and I'm blessed to have been to have been to have married a beautiful man with 29 plus years sobriety and six months. We really try to keep the principles of our relation. We really try to keep the principles in our relationship without getting into each other's program. But it can be a challenge, especially for quote this bozo <laughs> on the bus. Please feel forward to pass on my information to Charlie and Katie as I would love to reach out to them. Thank you for all you do, Jennifer L carrie north carolina Well, carrie um i started not to even read this uh i i I know that katie um and charlie are going through a difficult time right now and you're right it's not the best time um i'll keep you posted with what i know when i know and uh but, but but that's a great suggestion And finally, uh, Brian writes in and Brian says, good sober day, good, good sober Sunday to you, John. Well, good sober Sunday back at you, Brian. He says, I found this podcast when I was doing research for quote recovery oh, doing a search for quote recovery. I tried to, I tried to listen to it on my ride into work, which is just an hour from where I live. After my morning prayer, it's a great way to start my day. I retired from the Navy in 2009 and I moved to Maine. Three months later, I found myself back in the halls after going back out because I never worked a program. I always thought my problems were the fault of everything and everyone else. I had a quote intervention per se when my girlfriend told me that I had a serious problem and something just clicked, which I truly believe it was God speaking through her. Good for your girlfriend. He said I had a I had looked in the mirror having only the clothes on my back a retirement check and 1 foot in the grave. I finally realized that I need to change. I already took the first step and admitted and admitted I was powerless and my life was unmanageable. On July 6, 2009, I walked back into the halls, got a home group, Uh, and I got a home group, a job and a sponsor. I go to several meetings a week now, one in person and two online. I work on quote me unquote every day and I do my best to stay out of other's crap and then this is a, a quote from the big book. He says, acceptance is the answer to all my problems, unquote. I am truly blessed and grateful today. I am only alive today because, I, because of the two men that started this program, the people in it, God, and doing the work. As long as I keep doing what's asked of me, I get to be present today. Thank you, John, for letting me be a member of your group, and I will do my best to participate you can't get it if you don't give it brian well thank brian thank you for being in the super secret facebook group is what he was talking about uh, the honor is all ours uh, and if you're not in that group and you would like to be there just go to facebook and look up sober speak secret group and uh, ask for admission into the group and we will let you on in all right everybody that does it for uno mas semana of the sober speak podcast. So thank you for joining us. May God bless you and keep you and until then, keep coming back. It works if you work it. I take this one week at a time. Hope to be back next week. God bless.